1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. And we get the back view of him, and I mean, it's just a mega. 52 yards is a long shot. Uh, Magnum P.I., is what yeah. we named him. No idea. Just what. a magnet. Yeah, just a magnet. Come on, Cam, last year we said probably 150, mid 150. Yeah. Same Doe from the morning come out with that nine pointer. Here, here steps out this 90 inch eight pointer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ah. I'm like, okay, well, there's still a buck back there grunting. Yeah. And then I'll step like another 90 inch eight yeah. pointer. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I'm like deer right there. Yeah, like and he's 30 already yards. thirty yards. Yeah, he he was literally five yards from the base of the tree. Could have been had a buck down at one forty in the afternoon, back there deep on public. Three does come out pretty early. It was like two forty five, twenty four yard shot. Sent the combat veteran, and I tell you what, man, dude, it just smoked. We always get so jacked up when the other person kills. It's it's almost like we got it done. Yeah. And when you killed that doe, I was like, hell yeah, man. And we come down here to Missouri. My ass Comey one more time. I'm like, is it a good buck? And he goes, yeah, real good, solid buck. I'm like, all right, boom. <laughs> and the deer just drops for sure. Super special meat. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. This is a Whitetail Legacy podcast coming in your ear holes with the slight muffle on the back of the heater <laughs> that's six inches away from my left thigh. I was going to say, there's nothing about that muffled. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, here we are coming at you. Um, we're going to talk to Mark Luster tonight. Um, we're going to do a Legend of the Woods series. We've been getting request after request to do these. And now that season's over, we're going to get back to doing some. We're not, you know, <laughs> damn near over. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's in for a few more states, but we're going to get back to some of these. Um, Mark Luster killed an absolute giant. Um, one of Dog, Don Higgins' friends, I seen him share it on his uh, his Facebook there. So I did the legwork, got a hold of Mark, and he said he'd come on and tell us a story and a chase for this giant buck. I just love it because it's so dark-racked, damn near perfectly typical. So yeah, yeah, beautiful pretty sweet. It's getting people to make this possible. Get in the show. We'll start out with the VIP. You got VIP? Yeah, uh, VIPs, you know, core values or, you know, their basis for doing what they do is based around improving the recovery rates of animals, um, also while delivering durability and reusability, while using American-made materials to to deliver the highest quality broadheads. If uh, you're interested in picking up a pack, you can do that at VeteranIP.com. Ooh, man, that drink is solid. Is it? Uh, yeah, it's been soaking for a while. I, I was over there and I didn't even get Way the... Way better. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't even do the taste test over no. there. Uh, here. I messed um, up. I'll, I'll do the VIP shout out. All right, this week's shout out is going to be Brandon Shook. Uh, he would like to shout out his twin brother Baker, who is currently not stateside. Said that uh, Brandon is a new listener, and his brother is going to be getting back home, and he's going to get him tuned into the show, and uh, wants this to be a nice surprise for him. So, Brandon, we appreciate that. Um, hope your brother Baker. Uh, finishes overseas safe and gets home safe, and uh, you guys can get tuned into the show and uh, hopefully go back and forth about what you like about it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Give him a shout-out, and he don't even know it. So, All right, I want to get into the Exodus. Um, what do you got? The render only takes eight batteries. Yeah, that's something I noticed. Um, we made a move with some mobile cams from the private piece back to public. Nothing showing up there on the private. So um, I was putting up a mobile cam, and... It wasn't turning on, so I had to take the batteries that were in the render that I knew were good and make a makeshift move over to the other cam, and it it only takes eight batteries, which is better, you know, in my scenario, because that's less you got to buy over time, and um, I didn't have enough to swap over there, so I just, I just threw the render up there, and that's how the render got there, so... I was like, man, this thing only takes eight batteries. Battery life is still incredible on it. And um, if you do get worried about that, Exodus offers a solar panel option yeah, to uh, hook right into that. Solid. And then you don't even have to go out there ever. Yeah, that'd be real solid. So um, the only thing you got to go out there for is swap the SD card. Yeah, if you had a spot that you're like, ah, man, I'm not, I don't want to come back in this at all. Yeah, you know what I mean, at all. all year. I'm not going to hunt or anything. Get the render, hook up a solar panel, and let it eat. Yeah, let it eat. So um, if you guys are looking to get into that, you can do that at exodusoutdoorgear.com and uh, get in on their five-year no BS warranty. All right, you got next. You got them all, man. You cut half the screen off. <laughs> oh, my see. bad, bro. I did. <laughs> you're like, why is this guy ain't <laughs> the, the big screen is too big. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, go ahead. Yeah, so Next Level's um, got a buddy using their um, supplement, and he has been feeding this deer that he um, dubbed rib cage for, I believe, three years. And um, on that first year, rib cage was hit by a car. And then the following year, his rack was um, abnormal. And then he was introduced, I believe, that year to next level. And the following year, he was back to being a normal-looking deer. And then this year, David was able to take rib cage. And um, it was just an absolute giant eight-pointer. So, um, I'm not, you know, 
feeding next level didn't hurt that deer at all. And um, that's just one of the stories of the testimonies that next level can put into their product. And uh, if you guys are looking to do that, you can check that out at nextleveldeer.com. Yeah, it definitely brought that one back from, you know, it was wounded, injured. Yeah. It was on, it was on the feed all the time, all, on the middle Constantly. all the and, time. Uh, awesome velvet picks this year. I mean, he's probably got a uh, hundred thousand picks yeah, of that deer. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely insane. incredible. So, yeah, check them out at nextleveldeer.com. All right, let's get into the show. All right, guys, we got a special guest on. It's actually kind of like a neighbor that we didn't know we had yeah. until just a little while here, bullshit before we started. But how you doing tonight, Mark? I'm doing great. You? Doing good, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Um, just go ahead and let the listeners know a little bit about you, and then we'll get right into this story. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, um, name's Mark Cluster. I, uh, a lieutenant for the Illinois Department of Corrections. Um, I did some filming and hunting or whatever for Jury Outdoors for a few years and then started the Legends of the Fall on the Outdoor Channel and then did that for a couple of years, sold out of the company, uh, all the while still uh, working for the Department of Corrections. And then I, uh, actually, I, I started out in southern, south central Illinois, and then I hunted Iowa one time, loved it so much, I said, that's it, I've got to move there. So I put in a transfer and to one of the prisons that would afford me the opportunity of living on the Iowa side and still working on the Illinois side. And uh, the Galesburg prison called and I packed up the family and we moved to Iowa. <laughs> Man, I love the legend of the falls. I didn't know that you mm. made that. That was like one of the best that were out. Cause it wasn't, it was guys that yeah. were like hunting. It wasn't just guys going to outfitters. You know what I mean? It was guys that were like hunting deer yeah. that were, they were, you know, year after year. That was that was basically the basis of our story. So you know, uh, all of the guys on Legends of the Fall, well, uh, and Gal, I guess, but um, we all held regular jobs. You know, every single one of us, and um, we were basically trying to base the show off of, you know, we are just the regular blue collar person, no different than anybody else, trying to get out there and 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 enjoy this passion you know so to speak and and we all were with juries at the time you know and we all you know stepped away had the opportunity and actually uh myself and eric hale were brainstorming one night if you will and we're like man we ought to we gotta just try to do this show ourselves you know and and so we ended up putting her together and actually chris ward was the one that came up with the name and uh we just we started it and i don't get me wrong i i, I loved doing that but I'll, I'll tell you why i stepped away actually my son when the year that we moved up here into iowa was 2012 um ironically i killed 100 my of my previous largest typical 187 inch typical 11 um here in iowa that year um but my son had turned nine and he wanted to to start hunting um and it was one of those situations where, you know, do you, because a lot of times I would, I would leave, especially for the show, it's really demanding. And then I'd save up all my vacation time and I would leave home around Halloween every year and not come back till Thanksgiving or so, you know, I would be gone a month. We'd be hunting in Kansas and Iowa and Nebraska and, you know, whatever. And it's two of us, you know, so because me and Dave Bogart were filming partners or whatever. So, you know, I would film while he hunted and he would film while I hunted. And 
So if you go kill one out in a neighboring state, well, you both got tags. It's not like you're going home to see the family. The other guy still got a tag, so you're filming full time till he gets one, you know. And it was, it was one of those situations where it was, uh, you know, do you do you be a, a good dad and you know bring your son along into your passion, or do you continue to pursue a dream, so to speak, of, of filming and hunting and all that? And to me, really, it was it was not a decision. I I stepped aside to to take the boy hunting, you know, and, and actually some of the best times I've ever had been taking him. So it's yeah, you made the right decision for sure. So tough to do, but yeah. the right decision, sometimes the right thing is the, feels like the worst thing you could do, but everybody knows what well, the right yeah. thing is to do, but. Yes. And on a side note, and I'm, I'm a little bit kind of happy. Uh, we, now he's 18 and we have a bit of a little, uh, competition going so to speak and uh he has a 203 incher knocked down and had the biggest deer in the house so, <laughs> just, so just so we're clear he's he's happy for me but he's really not really happy <laughs> he's like damn it finally did it oh. yeah i uh interesting side bit to that i run an arrow october 27th through both shoulders of that deer and he lived and ironically speaking we ended up he killed it january 6th uh on muzzleloader season and we did an autopsy on that deer and i actually had killed one lobe of each lung i actually double lung that deer and he lived wow yeah it's like logan's buck crazy double lung for sure they just cannot find that thing insane I'll, I'll I'll send you pictures. I'll send you pictures of the entire because we did a, a complete autopsy of this thing because I need I had to. Oh, also, uh, kind of funny. The broadhead had healed half sticking out of his opposite shoulder, and when my son killed in January sixth, that broadhead was sticking halfway out of his opposite shoulder, healed over. Wow. Yeah. It's, damn. They're so tough, they're, man. They're so tough. It's crazy, but. Whole other story, I get it. Yeah, you really got to get in there and get some good shit to kill those big giant bucks. It just seems like they're just they're another level, you know what I mean? We need like a six hour show with Mark. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) for sure. Well, we we got we had you on. I mean, I I was scrolling through your Facebook feed there. I'm like, man, I could have this guy on for like five of his bucks. You know what I mean? You you've been you know consistently killing absolutely giants, but we're talking about Zeus, the buck you killed this year. Go ahead and break down the story of Zeus and then get into the hunt, and then we'll break down maybe some tactics that made you successful at the end. Okay, yeah. Um, well, I, do you, would you like me to just start from the start and run through it? Yeah, that's perfect, yeah. To- start from the start, run through it. Um, we won't interrupt you until uh, until you take a break or, <laughs> or something. We'll, okay. Yeah, if we got no, any questions, no we'll just take notes on our end, and then we'll ask them at the end. Yeah, please do. Um so, again, uh, we stopped at the, the gentleman's house, and he had given us permission to um, – hang on one second, sorry. We had stopped at the house, and he gave us permission, and he gave us a key to the gate. So, uh, And it was shed season, so we rolled over there. You know, so, like, all of the old sign was there on the farm. And it's a 200-acre piece, but to be quite honest with you, it's basically 280 side-by-side with a with a 40 to the to the south on one corner now that east 120 
you know, the 80 and the other 40 is basically just field. So there's really 80 acres of cover, and it's basically a big drainage of timber with fingers running north and south for the most part and fingers sticking out east and west off both sides of it. And they're pretty pronounced ditches, you know, that are those fingers. And then between all of those fingers, he had it in CRP. Um, so it really was, it is beautiful whitetail habitat. So when I got on it um, and we went looking for sheds and stuff, I was just amazed. They looked amazing. But like I said, it was, it's only 80 acres. So I, I wasn't certain what to expect. And when we walked it, I really didn't find any, you know, big rubs or any, you know, sign that would lead one to believe that there was a, a you know, a mega giant or four on it, you know? So anyway, <laughs> long story short is, is that we, we, uh, we walked it and got some ideas on what we wanted to do and then kind of backed off of it and waited till the, you know, the later on in the summer when we put out cameras and when I put out cameras, there's a couple of, uh, uh, fence gaps. I, I, I love fence gaps, especially when it's leading out of cover into a field. The deer just tend to walk at the big deer are, are lazy, you know, and they'll do what, as we get older, we get lazier, you know, we're not as rambunctious as we are. And they'll take the easier route and the bucks will do the same thing. So, um, anyway, so I put it up on fence gaps and it, it was either the first or the second card fall. It was just, I was just amazed. So we had, Bucks that I ended up naming Apollo, uh, Poseidon, um, Hades, and then Zeus, all Greek gods. Um, I tend to do that on each and every every farm. You, know, you just got to name them. It's a great problem to have, but if you got several big deer, um, it's kind of hard telling the, your inner circle uh, what deer you've seen if you don't have names for them. So that that particular farm got all Greek gods, and Zeus was the was the was the big guy. He was the guy that. Basically, even through the pictures, you could tell that all of the other deer knew who the alpha was in that hierarchy. Um, all that being said, I was amazed because this deer was a huge 10-point with a couple of kickers. And, and uh, I was pretty certain in 2012 that the 187-inch typical I'd killed was probably the biggest typical I would ever hunt even. You know, you just... They don't make them much bigger than that very often. And and this deer then last year was was bigger than that, or it appeared to be that he was bigger than that. Anyway, fast forward to shed season. And, you know, when I say shed season, shed, shedding velvet season, there always seems to be a shift um, that I've seen anyway. And when I'm getting pictures of bucks in the summer, I'm not necessarily – certain that I have them there in the fall to hunt. I've always seen sometimes you'll lose them, sometimes you won't, sometimes you'll gain ones you've never had all summer, and it's typically right about shed velvet time. Well, sure enough, shed velvet time, we lost Apollo and we lost um, Poseidon. He, they both disappeared off the map and not never got another picture of them. So we kept... Hades and Zeus on the farm. Um, Hades being a huge 10 point with double split brows and then, and, and probably in the one eighties. And then there was 
Zeus, who I thought was a 190s class deer. Um, so anyway, as fall rolled around, pictures kept coming in. We were getting pretty consistent pictures of him all fall. And, uh, well, let me digress. In the summer, I, I picked out a couple of spots that I needed to get stands in. And my son and I went and put them in. And with all of that CRP and all of those fingers, um, it, it actually made it a little bit tricky because what seems like a funnel in the timber, um, because of the fields, wasn't necessarily a funnel because it's CRP and they'll cut right across it, you know, whenever it's chest high CRP, they actually prefer that. So it made it kind of rough, but last year, the landowner on the north part of the farm, the one of those coves, he mowed. Now, I don't know why particularly he mowed that particular one, but it made for a great funnel on the back end of it uh, where it met the big timber. Um, there was a, a, a deep ditch coming out of the creek out of the bottom, and it came all the way up the side of the hill in the timber and stopped about 30 yards shy of that um crp that he had mowed so if, if the deer wanted to go north and south in there and he wanted to stay in the cover he had to come around the end of that ditch and i hung that stand thinking this is going to be where i get him i'm just i just know it well fast forward to november 15th last year um i was in the stand it was a west northwest wind it was perfect things were i mean everything was right cold perfect Things were right, getting consistent pictures of him, and I hear something, turn around, look to the to the south. They come from the south. There was a doe and four bucks chasing her, and Zeus was leading the way. Um, but as it always happens when you have a buck, a buck or several bucks chasing does, uh, they're never on a trail or never where you expect them to be. So... They, they cut that 10 yards, 12 yards that was behind me on the downwind side right up at the edge of the CRP, and she, she hit my wind right on the downwind side. And, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with honeysuckle, but this particular farm is riddled with honeysuckle. So if you haven't trimmed, like, practically with a bush hog, your lane's in there, uh, it's almost impossible to get a shot in an unexpected spot because the honeysuckle's terrible. Well, needless to say, they were on that downwind side, and she stopped. She was, I mean, it wasn't like she blew out of there, but she was just kind of nervous. She kind of got a whiff of something. Well, that being said, he walked up right behind her, and he was standing 17, 18 yards I'm at full draw, and he stops, and he's standing there. She's nervous. The other three bucks are behind them. They don't know what's going on. Just everything has come to a standstill. And I squat down, and I'm like, there's a, there's a pretty decent hole right there. I'm pretty certain I've got a good lane to him. And I, I pull the trigger, and chwop, it hits him. But there is a honeysuckle limb kind of vibrating there. But it was so close and fast i didn't know if i'd actually hit that honeysuckle limb i kind of thought i did but he ran about 50 yards stopped and stood there well it was on the side that i shot him 
and I could see blood running down his ribs. I'm like, oh, you're smoked. This is over. But I thought he was just so amped up with the dough that he was, you know, not thinking straight. Well, so now he's over there standing, and he's looking back wondering what happened because I never stopped him or anything, so there was no sound other than the shot. And there's blood trickling down his coming down his ribs there and i can see the hole clearly and it is it, it is basically perfect and he stands there for like a minute i'm like man that's not right you know he shouldn't be standing there that long well then one of the other bucks went and nudged the doe the doe whirls around and takes off running back the way that she came from all three of those bucks go chasing them Zeus lets out this big loud buck roar and grunt and takes off chasing them. And I'm like, that ain't good. So <laughs> I I get down, I get down and I, I I wait about five minutes after they was all gone. I get down, I go over there and I find my arrow and the arrow I only had maybe I don't know, an a broadhead depth at best penetration in him. And I am guessing but it was perfect, like where it hit him. And I'm guessing the the honeysuckle limb hit it and took all of the kinetic energy. I, I think it hit him kind of diagonal and basically hit and slapped him is what I think happened. Um, and I got no penetration at all. Even though I still hit him right, there just was no kinetic energy behind the knot. So after that, I never have another encounter with him all year. And the neighbor who had heard about the deer too, had had leased up the ground on two sides of that farm. And he's an outfitter. And he had got, and he's actually a great guy. And that's a lot of times you can't say that about outfitters, but the guy's a great guy. He owns Timber Ghost Outfitters. Anyway, moral of the story is is that uh, that he we actually talked back and forth, and he he had got a couple of pictures of him, and he had seen him a few times, and I'd got a couple of pictures after, but the last time he was seen was like December nineteenth, and he was limping really bad, like Ooh. almost like he had got infection. We never got any more sheds. Uh, we, we looked all over for sheds. We never got any more pictures. No more sightings. December 19th, it shut down. We, nothing. And I was afraid that he had died from um, infection was, was what my fear was. And we combed that place looking for the sheds and everything. We could not find anything. So fast forward to this year in the summer, I put out, camera at the fence gap again and the very first card pull there he was and i i'm surprised people in michigan didn't hear me screaming <laughs> i i thought he was dead i mean i just you know there was nothing i just thought he had crawled up in a hole somewhere and infection had got him and i which made me feel even worse you know so instantly and i actually put cameras out pretty early i couldn't earlier than i ever do normally i never put cameras out before july 4th and i bet you i put cameras out june 20th this year so when i got pictures of him it was early you know his tines were maybe four inches long five inches long but he already started the kickers on his g2 
and he already had that split on that same brow. And I'm like, I know that's him. I know it is. You know, so the next card pull, we never got nothing of him. And I'm like, oh, gosh. So then, I, actually, it's kind of funny. I sent, I sent that picture to Don Higgins, which a lot of people don't know. Don Higgins used to have a, uh, like a, a deer farm and stuff, you know. And so, uh, you know, he kind of got to study deer for years, you know, in captivity, if you will, all our little nuances and as well as antler growth, you know. And I'm sending these pictures to him. I'm like, hey, do you think this is him, you know. And I'm sending pictures back and forth, and he's like, I know you want me to tell you yes, but, uh, you know, he said, I'm not certain, but I'm going to give you 95% that that's him. So I was good with 95%. And then the next card pull, nothing. And then I bought those uh, cell cams. I bought some cell cams. And I, so I put a cell camera out there and I didn't have a cell camera out there two or three days. And bam, I got off work. I was working 311s at the time, pulled up and, and I, I'm not going to lie. I was driving home. And, and I had a notification, I clicked on it and bam, there he is. And I practically wrecked. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm so excited. And I hurried up and hit forward and was sending the pictures to my son. And anyway, so, so bam, we now know Zeus is there and I, I could probably find the text to show you, but I sent it, sent it to him right then and there. I said, that's the deer I'm hunting, uh, every other farm and every other place is yours. That deer, I, I'm hunting exclusively. So, anyway, fast forward to and this step, year, son. he was... <laughs> no kidding, right? No. I mean, I, I, I was basically handing him a 220-inch deer yeah. with Larry on my leash. Um, but but this, this deer, I, I kind of pride myself in, in closing the deal when, when they're inside the zone, and I let this one get away. You know, now the funny part about that too, is I punched myself in the face on Larry last year too. So I kind of let them both get away. <laughs> last year was really bad. Everybody keeps talking about how bad 2020 was. 19 was a mother for me. So, and it's all, all wrapped around here. But anyway, um, this year we were way more consistent on pictures. Like he was, he was like clockwork this year. You know, last year we'd get a couple of pictures a week of him. You know, he'd, he'd show up in front of cameras, and which was pretty consistent. But this year it was like nightly. As a matter of fact, it was so consistent, it was almost within the hour of each day that he was there. You know, I mean, it was very, very consistent. And then um, the landowner in September mowed every single one of those CRP codes. And I, and, and there was actually, there's another guy on the farm that could hunt, uh, there too, but it was permission farm. And, and, and that guy was getting pictures of this deer as well. And that's a whole nother story I could tell you about. (laughs) I mean, once, once he started getting pictures, his first year he ever had cameras, and he's not—he's not. Big deer make people do silly things. Oh yeah, put it like oh, yeah. that. And 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 where prior to him getting cameras and getting pictures of that deer, he was more than um, 
friendly to work with. Shortly after that, he was not so friendly to work with, if that makes sense. We've had the same I, thing just, happen to us. <laughs> they get that big deer, they're well, like, oh. It's like they like well, they know there's good deer there, but then they get that like once-in-a-lifetime deer, and they're yeah, like, oh, yeah. I don't know if I want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you want to know how bad this was? I'll tell you how bad it was. So it's actually part of the story, so I should tell it to you. But So he... Like at those fence gaps I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. So he brought cameras, and he every single place that I had a camera, he was sticking a camera on the same tree. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, like this guy was, knows what was, he's doing. I gotta. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I should be flattered that he was doing it. I, I felt like he was trying to get rid of me. You know, well, and he actually kind of tipped his hat to that later on down the line. But, um, like, every single post, like, and even last year, there's one spot that there was, a like, an old hog pasture or whatever. It was kind of on the north end of the farm on the northeast side. Um, so there's an old hog barn there with some concrete padding and stuff. And there's a couple of really big old couple hundred-year-old oak trees that have these limbs that stick way out like 60 feet out and then hang down and like they they have scrapes that completely circle the drip edge of that thing because all these limbs are hanging down out there but it's so far away from the tree that you can you couldn't put a camera on the tree (laughs) trunk and actually get a picture they'd be so far away that i don't know if it would trip it so i hammered a t-post in out and, like, run it along the drip edge along three or four of the scrapes, right? And I was getting a lot of pictures off of that last year. Well, he ripped my T-post out of the ground, then put a, like, he buried a, an actual post there, and then he put his camera on it. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. And then, <clears throat> yeah. And then he found one of my cell cameras that he didn't know was there, so he walked back and forth in front of it like 17 times making faces at it, October 11th, in the, the one little CRP cove that this buck called home. Oh, God. He was just walking around in it, actually, and blowing his wind right through that CRP October 11th this year. I was, I was so frustrated. <clears throat> so I sent him a picture of himself at it. And he's like, and, and he puts like, LOL. And says something the fact of, well, I seen that you pulled your cameras off those posts. I thought maybe all the pressure, you just got mad and left. That's what he said. Oh, that's what he was trying to do, so, was just pressure out of there, huh? So he tipped his hat as to exactly what he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. So I told him, actually, no. I said, that, that deer, <clears throat> because of the way you have been acting... I am going to kill that deer out from under you. And because of the way that you are being, I said, it doesn't take anything to be a decent person and to work with people, but you are going out of your way to try to cause another person that has permission to be there harm. You know, I mean, you are doing everything you can do to try to run me off. So it has only solidified my resolve that I am going to hunt this deer exclusively. So prepare to see me, I guess. <laughs> but I, I, I typically don't hunt 
much until you know the third week or so if we got a cold front in an evening i'll hunt the edges you know uh, but i'm not going to get into any one of my stands that i really think i can kill him in until it's right and i i love that last week of october that last week of october has been really good to me a but b it is my opinion that it's the it's the best time in the world to kill the deer you know and what i mean by that is you're getting all these pictures of this big deer and he's still at home it's not november and he's not out stretching his legs three miles from the farm he is still at home but the need to procreate and just check things out and mark his territory is so great that he can't just sit there till dark yet so you if you get that cold front in late october it is my favorite time to kill the buck that i know the buck that is at home that isn't out stretching his legs yet but he can't just sit there and i, I it's just been a, a it's been the best time for me to just knock down the one I'm after, I guess you could say. So October 28th this year, I'd like to tell you a lot more lead-up story to this, but I literally killed him the first time I tried to hunt him. So, I mean, you can take that for what it's worth. <laughs> but but um, in, w- w- once he mowed, I'll digress a little bit again here, once the farmer mowed those little CRP coves that, that were there, it allowed me to put stands in several more of these pinches. And I, and I, I'm tell you right now, I'm, I'm one of them hunters that I, I do not like punching deep in the timber. I'm not crossing a bunch of trails. I, I believe that I, a, a deer that doesn't know he's being hunted is a much easier deer to kill. So I, it ain't like if you walked home tonight and you went into your living room, you'd damn well know if a guy was sitting in your living room, right? But if you went home tonight and Dude and in you went you went about <laughs> yeah. there. No. <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke. Could not say it. <laughs> the analogy the analogy I use all the time is if a guy was hiding behind your back door, just outside your back door, you wouldn't necessarily know that. And you probably wouldn't know it till you done cleared the back door, right? Yeah. So that's where I want to be. I want to be that hunter that doesn't know or doesn't get inside any of that timber. I want him to run around his core like everything is right in the world. And I just want to just slide in and hunt these little pinches that will predict his movement. If the wind is such, he will be here you know and typically well i'm not gonna say typically i'm gonna tell you 99.7 percent of the time unless he has his nose right up a doe's butt i mean at that point in time he'll walk through the taco bell parking lot you know he don't (laughs) care he's just following her but if he's alone and his wits his wits are about him he is going to be on the downwind side of the cover with his nose quartered into the wind that is what they do, and that's where I think so many hunters fail. I, I see stands guys hang, and I'm like, yeah, that's not a bad stand. It's actually, you're actually not far off the mark. 
But when you see them hunt the stand, they're hunting it with the wrong lens. Because if you expect, you know, think about this for a second. What is the deer's number one defense? You know, it's like a bloodhound. If you ever met around bloodhounds at all, once they get to smelling something they're tracking, they'll run right into a wall. I mean, they don't, they're simply following their nose. And a buck, you know, if, that's just like whenever you're walking through the woods scouting or something, you see a deer stand up if they hear something and they're looking and they're moving their head back and forth. If they can't identify you, what do they do? The first thing they do is they circle, circle you to get downwind, to smell you. Because they will question their eyes, they'll question their ears, but they're never, ever, ever questioning their nose. If they smell human, gigs up, they're gone. You know, that's just the way it is. And they, they live by their nose. So if you think that a big buck, you know, like if you picture an inside corner of a timber, a lot of people put their stand up right off that inside corner of the timber, and they're hunting it with their wind blowing diagonal out into the field. Well, if you think of a big, mature, five, six, seven, eight-year-old buck is going to stand up in that timber and walk out that inside corner with the wind at his back, well, I've got some oceanfront property right here in Iowa I want to sell because it's not going to happen. That's why, I mean, how many times on the Internet do you see guys saying, man, I hunted this stand four times in a row, and then the day I wasn't there, and then he shows this picture of this big buck walking right by during daylight 10 yards from his stand. Well, you know why that is? Because that day the wind wasn't right for that stand, but it was right for that deer. You know, I mean, those deer will go out to that field the same every single day. But if the wind is wrong for him, he's going to stay there till dark, and then he's going to walk out that field. If it's right for him, then he's going to walk out there possibly during daylight if the conditions are right. You know, so yeah, I always set up my stands. You know, and I always say this: you got you got to give the deer the wind. When people are saying, "Oh, I, you got to play the wind," you got to play the wind. Well, your idea of playing the wind and mine are way different. And I mean, and my idea of playing the wind is I set my stands up to give him a quarter two wind coming through his area. But I am set up just where the wind is right for me. I'm not giving him my wind, but I'm giving him the wind to move about his area in a, in a fashion that he feels comfortable. He thinks everything's right in the world, but unbeknownst to him, the Grim Reaper's hanging 20 feet in the air, you know. That being said, we will get back to October 28th. October 28th, I had this this west wind, and I'm on the east side of this, and I had hung another stand where these this deep ditch that you, they can't cross is coming up out of the creek, and it stops again right there, right below the, uh, the edge of that CRP. And I'm up off of that because it just funnels all of those trails on that side of the hill, that, that side of the hill up there within bow range, you know, and where I believed his bedding area was, um, I'm set up off of it, and I, I'm thinking he's going to come from the south out of that thick cornfield and come up through that finger. Well, he did exactly what I thought he was going to do. It's just that he was on the west side of the ridge across that creek. So about five minutes or ten minutes before he showed up. I had a doe and fawn come up that same ridge he did, turn, come down, cross the creek just like that, come right up past me around that ditch, and go north. 
Well, actually, about 20 minutes before that, I made a post on Facebook. I don't know if you've seen it. And said, first real hunt for Zeus this fall. And I posted pictures for the first time of him on Facebook. And I said, hopefully a guardian angel or whatever will bring him by and it will be my last hunt for him this year, you know, or whatever. Well, fast forward 20 minutes or so, and then this doe and fawn, or two fawns walk by, and then they weren't gone five minutes, and I see a big rack walking that ridge. And I pull up the binoculars, and instantly I see that kicker. Um, but there isn't too many 200-inch typicals walking, so it was pretty easy yeah. to know what deer this this was and he's walking kind of the same path i'm like oh my god he's going to follow what that doe and fawn did or or two fawns did and he gets to where they turn and come down the hill and he doesn't do that he actually angles to the west which is diagonal away from me well i pull up the grunt call and i grunt at him well he stops and looks but then he flicks his tail and continues on. Well, I turn around and grab my, the rattling antlers, and I wanted to shield my rattling with my body from him, so I didn't want him to, to whirl around and look and then see those antlers, you know. So I rattle, you know, three or four seconds, and I turn and look, and I don't know that a bulldozer could have tore more uh, honeysuckle out of the ground. He come at a, at a dead run. Now, I'm not talking about fast down the hill. He was bowling right through this honeysuckle down the hill at a dead run at me. And he got down the hill, across the creek, was on my side, standing there, looking up my way 40 yards away, and I got two antlers in my hand. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, what am I going to do? Um, well, he, he stands there, and he starts walking, and he's coming straight up the hill. I get the antlers down. I grab the bow, I clip on, I yank as he walks, and he has to duck his head up under one of those honeysuckle bushes, and I draw. So now I'm at full draw. He's walking straight at me, and he hits the trail that that doe and twins had walked on. His nose goes straight to the ground, and immediately he makes a 90-degree turn to the left, which was my right. And he actually gave me, it was a quartering away shot at that time, that trail diagonals along that ridge. And I stop him, and I'm, I don't know if you guys do, but every I have to dummy-proof myself. I've messed up so many times, man. I, I almost would rather have the wall that I messed up on than the wall of deer that I have because um, it's school hard knocks for me, bud. So anyway, I I have to tell myself, you know, you know, squeeze the trigger, squeeze the trigger. Cause one of my problems early on was I punched that trigger and yanked the bow down and try to see where I hit or what I did. And it's just, it caused me a lot of heartache. So I just always tell myself, you know, squeeze the trigger, squeeze the trigger. Well, as I was doing that right at the release, I guess I'd taken too long cause he took a step and he started walking and I hit him back behind the ribs on the front side and I, but I instantly seen blood, you know, kind of blow out of side. And so I, my very instant thought was I liver shot him. Well, he bored down the hill, crossed the creek, up over that little ridge and down on the creek on the other side. Well, I set the bow down, you know, hung it up, sat down, tried to gather myself because I remember while he was coming up the hill thinking, 
my Lord, is he's bigger than I thought he was this year. You know, I mean, he's just so massive. And anyway, I gathered up all my stuff. I text my son and, and a buddy of mine, Ben Thompson, and said, I just shot him. And actually, uh, once I... Once I sat down, I, I, I got on that post, and already there had been like 300 people tech, you know, commenting and messaging and, 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 and liking or whatever because, you know, me being a dummy, I just sent out the social media that I'm hunting a 200-inch typical deer <laughs> before it was dead. But ironically speaking, by the next time that I made a comment to it, I'd shot him. So um, I, 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 I just put... Uh, OMG with a bunch of explanation points and, 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 and then hit send. And, and, and right after that, my, my phone was vibrating nonstop forever, but I grabbed all my stuff and got it together. And I started to get down and I'm like, ah, you know what? And I'm going to give the good Lord upstairs a few minutes. I mean, we need to have a talk, you know, and I sat back down and, and I don't know if, you know, they say divine intervention or, or, or maybe it was because I sat down to, to give the big man upstairs some time or whatever, but I'm sitting there kind of talking to him, thanking him because, you know, first of all, how many people even get to see a deer like that in their life? Mm-hmm. And, you know, how many, you know, I'm quite certain you guys over the time that, man, I, I'd love to kill a 200 inch or I'd love to, you know, that's a dream. The dream of a whitetail hunter is to kill a 200 inch deer. But my dreams were never so big as it to be a 200 typical, you know, I just, yeah, just that's, whatever they, it takes to get there. Even, <laughs> yeah. They don't even, I mean, for me, it didn't even register that that was ever even a possibility. That's like saying, you know, heck, I'd like to win a hundred million dollars sometime. Well, me, yeah, it's great to say, but the thought of it ever happening is actually, you know, it's not even a real thing, you know? Well, and, and, I had thought that he was like a 190, 190-something, maybe low 90s, typical with some, some trash, you know, thinking maybe he might get to 200 inches total. But after that, I was like, my goodness, that deer was so, so big, you know. Um, but again, you don't dream that big. Well, as I'm sitting there, I see something up there, and I thought I seen movement that wasn't like wind movement 150 yards or so away on the on the hill facing me well i pull up the binoculars and i see something brown over there but you know i watched it for five or ten seconds and i couldn't see legs i couldn't see wide i couldn't see antlers and i'd convinced myself that it was a log or a stump you know something that just looked a little bit out of the ordinary so i put my binoculars down i'm sitting there you know just gathering my thoughts again and then i see what I know for certain was antler shaking. So I pull up the binoculars as I see him stand. But when he was standing, his back end wasn't working like his front end was. And he was kind of on the side of the hill. Well, as he stood up and he was kind of dragging behind his back end, he like stumbled back like four or five steps. And I see him stand there and his mouth's open and, I can see my exit wound at this time. Now I'm looking at his left side. He's facing to my left. I'm looking at his left side and I can clearly see my exit wound was better than I thought it was. You know, it looked like it was up there right around the last ribs 
And I'm like, okay, well, I can clearly see my exit wound, but I know where my entrance is, and it's behind the ribs. And I watched him walk about five steps, and he's angling up the hill, and he'd stand there for a second, flick his tail. And he'd walk, and he'd stop, and he'd flick his tail. I watched him do that two or three times until that middle ridge blocked me, and I couldn't see him anymore. Well, at that point, I gave it about another five minutes and, and then got down and got out of there. And I, I've been on blood trails 30 hours after a liver shot and jumped the deer, you know. And I've been on liver trails four or five hours after, and they thought that they hit it better than they did. And we end up finding him dead, and it was a complete liver shot deer, you know. So I just was going to err to the side of caution. I mean, instantly right then and there, it was a cool day. It was going to be a cool night. I wasn't worried about meat spoiling or anything like that. So then I've got another hunter that I know is on the farm, and I instantly message him. I'm like, hey, this is a deal. I just shot Zeus, but I hit him back. I know that I... I don't have the right to ask you, but I'm asking you, will you please not hunt out there today so we don't jump him and send him off? And he's like, not a problem. And then I messaged the the guy, the outfitter, and I asked him the same thing. I said, hey, you know, if you don't mind, I would I would really appreciate if you don't hunt. I said, I, you know, I feel bad asking you that, but I just don't want to lose him. And he said, and he immediately said, not a problem. I, 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 you know, I appreciate you getting a hold of me. And he said, on top of that, if you get on him tomorrow and he crosses onto my side, you go after him. That farm will be void of anybody until you get a hold of me, That's which cool. I thought was an awful nice thing to do. Yeah. yeah. You know, so anyway, so I, I, I basically secured the fact that he wasn't going to be messed with that night. So I got a hold of a buddy that I know is really good on a blood trail. I got my son and stuff, and I said, we are waiting till tomorrow. I'm not even going to attempt it today. And my phone was going I, – I had to put the thing down. I, I, I couldn't handle it. I mean, it was there was too many people texting, messaging, calling, Facebook. I, it, was, it, was, it was nuts. But anyway, long story short is, is that I, I – I, had to make myself busy. I got more done. My wife is so happy <laughs> that I shot at that deer. Not great because I mean, I cleaned up outside. I drugged the lane. I cleaned the house. I washed the dishes. <laughs> I had to make myself busy. I drank a gallon of crown Royal. I mean, I, I did her up good, you know, <laughs> so, but I, I had to make myself busy or it, my mind was going to, to run at a thousand miles an hour. So anyway, the next morning we meet up, we, we go there and I wanted to just get to where I last seen him because I knew that he had bedded down there and I figured he probably wouldn't be far from there. I thought he's going to get to the top of that hill right at the edge of where that CRP is and lay down and, and, and probably expire there. Well, we cross, when we were crossing that ditch, my buddy's like, hey, a lot of blood here. He said, there's bubbles in it. It looks like lung blood. Well, when he said that, I looked over at him. He's looking at me, and behind him, five yards away, the deer's laying there dead. <laughs> the, the deer actually, I watched the last few seconds of his life. He had actually fell climbing that hill, 
and there was smear blood down the hill to where he was at. I Had I been able to see another five yards from the stand, I would have seen him fall. Wow. So, but hindsight being 2020, you have to err to the side of caution and, 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 and you don't want to jump any deer and lose it, but you certainly don't want to jump a deer like that and lose it, you know? No, for sure. So, anyway, we, when we walked up to him, I, I was speechless. And as you can probably tell on this podcast, me, I kind of like to hear myself talk. So, um, it, 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 it takes a, it takes a lot to render me speechless. And I was, I was speechless. I was looking at it. And as I was kind of, my, my buddy was like filming me, um, when we got to it and, and he's like, you know, talk to me, tell me about it, you know, whatever. And as I was talking, I just laid my arm up along the tines and they were as long as my arm. And I'm like, my God, how big is this deer? My buddy's like, that deer's a 200 inch typical. I'm telling you. That is a 200-inch typical if I've ever seen one, and I've never seen one. So, yeah, I was saying, anyway, if, that's, if that's what it is, it, pictures don't do it justice. Any. He is, well, I'll, I'll tell you. So we, we got everything. We got some pictures and everything. We got him loaded up in the vehicle, and I, I drove home, and, I, you know, I got ice in his chest and all that stuff, and I walked inside. I, I needed a cup of coffee. I was, was what I was doing. I walked inside, and when you walk in my inside my house, there to the right is the buck I called Facebook. He's the Facebook buck, and um, it's that 187 inch typical, and it's a typical 11, the same as Zeus is, and it looks tiny, like it looks tiny compared to the deer we had outside. And I I just turned right around. I walked outside, opened door, said Hunter, come here, which Hunter is my son's name. And I'm like, look at Facebook. And he looked up at him. He's like, oh, my God, he's he's tiny compared to that other deer. I'm like, give me a soft tape. We got to measure this thing, you know. So we went outside, and I, I, I wasn't writing anything down. I just, as I was measuring, um, Hunter had his phone on the calculator. And he, we got to, it was like 196. or Now, he wasn't telling me the score. But he, he told me after the fact, he's like, he's like, boy, when it added up and it got to like 196, he was like, man, alive, that, you know, you're so close to 200 inches. <laughs> but, then he, but then he saw me stretching the tape for the inside spread. And he's like, I got to think, oh, my God, he hasn't even did the inside spread. And I came up to, to 215. Um, and he's like, Dad, you, you need to rescore this. He said, I, I did something wrong. And I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, really? He's like, I don't even want to tell you what the score is. Let's just redo it. So we redid it again, you know, and I came up 215. And he's like, Dad, it, it, it's it's 215. I'm like, no, we did something wrong. He's like, I'm telling you, we did it twice. So I don't know if you know who Cameron Coble is, but he's a buddy of mine, and he's a Boone and Crockett scorer and all that. And I messaged him. I'm like, man, you need to come over here. I was like, I don't I, – before I even throw a score out there to the world – I need you over here because I, I don't even want to tell you the number I'm coming up with. And I've, I'm like, I've only got like seven inches of non-typical time here. I mean, and, and he's like, well, what did you come up with? I said, 215. He said, I'm on my way. So, <laughs> so he loaded up and drove over and we were actually out behind the barn taking pictures and stuff back in the woods and, 
he walked up and he's like, oh my God, what did you do? And I'm like, do you, do you think it's that? And he's like, man, that deer is big, big. And so anyway, when he got done, there was that, there's, if you've seen the pictures on the right side, there's one little like drop time there out on the end of that right main beam that I'd measured. And it was like one and three eighths or something like that. But he said it doesn't score because it originates like the base is wider than its length. So it doesn't count as a point. So that would have put my score at like 213 and something. Well, he come up with 211 and 68 gross total, but the 204 and 68 typical. Um, so then it netted like 195 and some change, and then minus the seven inches of deduction off of those those kickers. Um, he's like, you can net it as a non-typical and I think it nets 202 and something. And then you, or you could do typical and it's like 188 and six eighths or seven eighths net typical, um, which puts it number, I think he said number 11 in the state of Iowa. And it's like, I think he said top 25 in the world or something. I don't know if that's true, but Anyway, it's it's it's, it's absolute big, giant, huge. <laughs> it's big as shit. Hey, if you guys are so close, I, I mean, you guys are right down the road. Anytime you guys want to come to the house, feel free. I mean, yeah, I'm, we might have to swing cool. by and check her out. We like road time. trips. Yeah, I'm, I'm right across the river. I mean, you get right across the river, right across the bridge, and you turn north and go up 99 about five miles. I'm right there on the river block. So, oh damn, yeah, you're far. you're not too far at all. Yeah. So. We we go that way for work yep. sometimes quite a bit, but well, well man, I, I drive I drive right to where you work. Yeah, every, every day. day it's crazy. <laughs> we, yeah. You know, you think you all oh, this guy's from Iowa, you have no idea, and then you get on a podcast, you're like, dude, this guy's he works three hundred yards yeah. from us. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's killing yeah, giants right over there. You have no idea. So well, I wish you worked I, for the railroad. We'd have someone to talk to about deer hunting. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, it's kind of funny. I'm I'm three years from retirement there at the prison, and I've been talking about getting on there as soon as I retire for forever. You know, it's right so, across the road. I don't know. <laughs> that, that, that might happen. There you go. <laughs> well, you never know, man. They they were hiring like crazy, and then yeah. this COVID bullshit hit, and now they're like, hey, we better <laughs> cut back a little bit. <laughs> but right. Uh, right. Well, we appreciate you coming on and telling the story, man. You can definitely tell a story, and we appreciate the offer to swing by and check that buck out. We might make that happen someday. Oh yeah, I've got, maybe maybe I've we got can do a there. maybe we can do an in in uh, person podcast about the one eighty eight or a few other bucks or yeah, just a tactic sure. or something. So, oh yeah, there, there's there's a great story on my son's two hundred three. Oh, that's not, that's perfect too. You I can double dip. Yeah, we could double dip both you guys. We got we got a lot of extra mics. <laughs> he's, uh, he's he's eighteen now, um, and I like I said I started taking him when he was nine. When he was nine, he killed his first deer. Uh, he killed a doe, um, and then the next day he killed a hundred and sixty one or two inch eight point. And and then uh, he has killed like a, oh goodness a one seventy three a one seventy four a two o three he's 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 got a wall that makes most grown men cry so uh, he's he's he shot the it's actually I'll, I'll send you a picture but 
the year that he killed the 203, who I, I, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you what he named I let him name that deer, and, and I'll tell you what he named it. Mickey Mouse. He named it, he, <laughs> Next giant I found, I'm naming Mickey Mouse. I'm out here trying to murder well, Mickey Mouse. This, <laughs> well, this one's name was D's Nuts. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's pretty solid. <laughs> I give it to you. D's Nuts is kicking my ass out here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cannot find these D's nuts anywhere, man. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, I, it, it that was almost embarrassing. I, so for social media um, situation, I I just lowered it to D's. I put the D's. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame I'll you. Tell you. Okay, I'll tell you a funny story, and I'll let you guys go. I know this is whatever. So the reason that he's called D's nuts is that that particular year. I was outside working on my car, and we had had some work done, and I had some concrete patio put out in the back side of the house. Well, him and his buddy walked by, and my spidey sense was going off. I was working on an old Corvette I got, whatever. And they they just acted like they'd done something wrong. But they didn't say. They was just eerily quiet for a couple of boys, you know. And I'm like, hey, you didn't mess that concrete, did you? And he's like, no, 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 no. I, I'm like, well, that guy just left and done that concrete, and that's wet. Don't get on it. He's like, oh, okay, okay. And they walked on, you know, and I just went back to my, my work. Well, the next morning, I'm sipping coffee up there in the house, and my wife comes in from out back, and she comes stomping up the step. She's like, come here, Darren Luster, and she's banging on his bedroom door. Get your ass out here. <laughs> and I, so now my attention, you know, I'm looking – back and i've got this coffee and i actually i was taking a sip of my coffee because i spit it everywhere and he walks out of the door and he's like what you know what's going on she's like what on earth would possess you to write these nuts in that concrete <laughs> so so he's like i didn't think it would stay so he wrote these nuts in the concrete so to this day <laughs> that is that is now solidified in the concrete in there so fast forward that fall and we got pictures of this deer and i'm like well what are you gonna call it and he's like nah well, we're calling it these nuts <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were gonna say he dipped his nuts in that concrete <laughs> i was gonna lose my shit <laughs> it, it, it wasn't that bad he it might as well enough. though you can't even be mad at the kid at that point what a memory yeah <laughs> If he dipped his nuts yeah. in the concrete, I'd be like, all right, man, that was solid. That all right, we're solid. doing in person for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah, no, it, it wasn't that bad. It was bad enough. Yeah, I these mean, nuts is pretty solid for it to be in your concrete yeah, forever. So, so he killed. Uh, so that year, that year, we had a couple really big deer on the farm. And the first. I don't know if it was the first hunt or the second hunt that we went out there during the youth muzzleloader, and he dumped the big typical. So we got pictures of these two deer together, actually for three years. They were both six and a half. Um, and he shot th that deer with muzzleloader, the, the, the big 10, and we called him Twin Towers. He was just a mirror image of each other. And it ended up being like 174 and some change. And then he followed that up with the 203 that January. So... He, Damn, he dumped him, you know, yeah, 360 inches of antler. 
<laughs> so he had a pretty good year. So he's he's been feeling pretty cocky for a while now. So. <laughs> well, I'm glad you lowered the lowered the totem pole, and now you're on top. <laughs> yeah. You'd write, well, write so D's he, nuts in his I, truck when it's dusty or something. <laughs> well, well, so here's the deal. So I shot Zeus, you know, and I, I upped him. And he's like, well, I mean, enjoy it because you're not going to have it very long. Because whenever I, when I shoot Larry, he's going to score more. And, and mind you, Larry will score more. But then he broke his made me. That's what you get for being cocky. <laughs> Yeah, I got a picture of his face. I got a picture of daylight, too, right under our stand. He's walking through there in daylight. We got the camera like 20 yards from the stand in a, in a funnel, like 8.45 in the morning, November 3rd. He walks right under there, and he's broke his main beam from the G3 forward. And uh, I bust up laughing and said, you're not going to beat me now, but <laughs> <laughs> So we're kind of not trying to shoot that deer right now because he's broken. But, I mean, if he walks by, I don't expect him to, to pass him. But I will I will tell you this. The little ship passed up a deer last year that was four-and-a-half-year-old that we had. Uh, we and I named him Barbed Wire. I, I got a shed at two, passed him, film passing him. Sheds at three, film passing him. Then he's four years old this year or this last year, and and – I'm like, I'm not going to shoot him. I know he's four and a half. I'm not going to ask you not to shoot him. And then November 1st last year, I passed him. And then November 3rd, he passed him. He's like, I just passed up barbed wire. And I'm like, no, you didn't. That deer's too big. I know you didn't pass him up. So then he sends me pictures, screenshot pictures of the video he took of a 196-inch deer that he passed at Damn. four and a half years old. Now I know he's 196. Is the neighbor that promised me he would never shoot him <laughs> shot him? Perfect. That's so, how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, at 17 he passed up 196 inch deer that the neighbor shot. All right, guys, that is a legend of the Wood Series coming in your ear holes. Um, since season is wrapping up here. Um, we got a few weeks left, but we're going to be bringing you a ton of Legend of the Wood seasons. What Legend of the Wood seasons? What the <laughs> <laughs> episodes? Perfect. A bunch of Legend of the Woods episodes. Um, we've had a ton of requests to bring this back, and uh, here it is, guys. We hope you enjoyed. Um, remember, always do the right thing, leave a legacy, and Whitetail Legacy is out. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.